If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Blog Talk Radio. Eastern time, and uh, we have a 
a great show planned for this Thursday, so y'all make sure y'all tune into these updates that we're going to send out about this Thursday. So we have special guests that uh, we will have on the show this Thursday, and uh, I'm pretty sure you all will like the upcoming show on Talk of the Town, as many of our other shows that you all will like as well, too. But um, shout out to all the victims, um, you know, with the hurricane. Hope everybody is doing well. Um, from the hurricane that came through last week, um, everyone on the East Coast, um, everybody's doing all right. And um, the government did an appropriate job this time, I would say, as far as reacting and uh, getting people uh, out in a fashionable time for the hurricane. But uh, I want to get mm, not according to Fox News. Well, right, 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 right. That, that's 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 where I want to get into that, you know, as far as uh, Fox News and um, and our President Obama, and of course we over here we don't like Fox News. I don't care if anybody out out there who works for Fox News listening to the Middleman Talk Show, we don't like. But I don't like it. I can't say about on on the show, but I don't like Fox. News. Uh, I, I'll I even go past that. I don't respect false news because they report false information. Like, you know, it's there a responsibility as, as a media person, as in someone with media, to provide accurate and, and correct information. And, and they blankly right. tell lies. And uh, you, you can't respect that. Right. Well, as right. Dad would so eloquently say, stab yourself. I don't like <laughs> false news. <laughs> right. And when, you know, with the hurricane, the things were, like, going on, and, of course, they, you know, a lot of news um, uh, uh, um, talk shows were actually just reviewing, you know, how the government reacted. Of course, a lot of things that Fox News were pointing out was very negative, and I don't understand that, but that's something that they always have been doing, you know, since President Obama has been in office. Um, I really didn't pay too much to Fox News until President Obama was elected. I don't think, really, a lot of people didn't pay too much to Fox News until President Obama was elected. Um, so, um, you know, we've been going over, you know, the election, you know what I'm saying, for the last couple of weeks because it's, it's getting down to crunch time for 2012. Um, we got to prepare for all of this. Uh, we've been telling everybody to make sure that you uh, – Vote, go out and vote, get the absentee ballot, go ahead and get your third register, and then fashionable time, get that ballot done. Make sure you go and uh, review your candidates, read up yeah. about them, talk to people about them. Um, do your history. Do your history. Do your history. Uh, then you want to comment on that? Any, anything new that you have seen on the political side of things? What does that mean? Sorry, I think I think we lost Jim, but one second we'll get her back in. But um, we're gonna go ahead and identify what we're going to discuss today. We have an interesting topic um, that we're going to do today for everyone who wants to all participate. If you have any comments, concerns, make sure you dial seven one eight five zero eight nine nine seven two. The title of today's show is the New Negro. Now, um, this topic was actually brought to us by our man, Nikita, you know, which was a great topic. Uh, we jumped on it as soon as he was explaining it, and it was very interesting. 
uh, some of the things in which we discussed on our previous shows from years back. We can actually pull that information into this particular show as well, too. But Nick came at it at a very, very good angle. Um, so the description for the show, in a rare 1957 interview with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on The New Negro, he was quoted saying, Time might make us forget the fine line we had to walk. That is a powerful quote. Um, now, it seems that uh, 50 years plus later, those words have become true. Now, read that particular quote again. It states that time might make us forget the fine line we had to walk. If you can break that down however you want it, um, it's very self-explanatory. Now, some of the things which we're going to discuss today is what has the new black man gained in comparison to what has been lost? And basically, we want to talk about with that particular question uh, as far as the new generation of black men versus um, the black men of 50 years ago. We want to discuss as far as what they have gained and also what has been lost through those uh, transitional years. Also, does the new black man or woman desire to seize in corporate America to justify his or her failure with the black family? And also, if the old Negro and the new Negro met face to face, what would be the end result? What would the conversation be like? What would they talk about? What would they discuss? How would they compare and contrast themselves? What would, you know, what would be the final ending point to their discussion? We want to know what you all feel about those six questions and also what you all feel about today's show topic. So if you're on the chat board, place your comments there. We'll definitely get to them. And um, if you want to call in and put the place your comment on the air, the number is 718-508-9972. We have a great show for you all. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Middleman Talk Show. We are starting, so you can still send a text message out to all your friends and tell them to come in and listen to the Middleman Talk Show here on Twitter. Make sure you retweet those tweets that we send out and uh, bring other people who want to talk about this, this particular topic today. So, um, anything, guys? Don't trust them new narrows over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like I, I knew he was gonna say it. I knew he was gonna say that. I knew he was gonna say it. Don't trust him. Now, all I got to say today, as far as with today's topic, um, we're gonna go ahead and get right right into. It. We got some clips that we're gonna play for you all today as well. Um, that is that is in relation to the uh, today's topic. But we're gonna go ahead and get into what sparked this particular segment. For today, Nick had a um, a interesting episode today uh, that he witnessed, and uh, which sparked this particular episode. Nick, you want to elaborate more and tell our listeners about what made you want to bring this show to the air? Well, basically, uh, I was in the airport in Atlanta, and um, I ran across this display of Dr. Martin Luther King. So I got to looking at it, and um, he had this one thing about him talking about the new Negro. Well, I said, well, let me look this up, see what see what it's all about. And I just got to thinking, I was like, well, what would happen, honestly, what would happen if it was like that episode of the Boondocks, 
where Dr. King didn't die, he was just in a coma. And he woke up years later and saw what the world had become. Saw what we did with everything that they fought for. You know, the right to have, you know, equal place in the job. The right to sit where they wanted to on the bus. You know, now we just sit back in the back of the bus because we want to. You know, oh, we fought so hard for you guys to get the right to vote, and we don't vote. Oh, we fought so hard for you guys to have equal placement in the jobs, and we don't even want to go out and get jobs now. So I said, you know, what would be the, what would the original New Negro that he spoke of, of the 60s, say to the New Negro of the New Millennium? And that's just what kind of sparked the conversation, and and honestly, it just it just made me think. Like, what would they say to each other? Would they fight? No. Conversation would be very mind blowing. Now, you know, it's you know all the things and in, in, in what you pointed out as far as what our ancestors fought for. I mean, even with school, you know, we have kids that take school for granted, especially like you know junior high. High school years, they they pay school for granted, and then next thing they know, they're trying to figure out what's going to be the next step. Um, now we have done previous shows, and we have saw reports that you know African Americans have um, increased as far as uh, being uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, increased the numbers of, of going to college, put it that way, and graduating from college. But we still see that there is a common trend that. A lot of children take school for granted. You know, they go to school, they play, they don't do their work, they're not learning anything. When you ask them something about what they learn, you know, they can't tell you anything, but our ancestors had to fight to go to school, to fight to get new textbooks, to fight to uh, get on a school bus and be safe to go to school without anybody bothering them. Uh, you know, to fight to eat in a lunchroom uh with regular, you know, with all all races, and now you know they're in a lunchroom with all races, and they're fighting each other. You know, so I mean, it's it's we see that there there are a lot of things in which I feel that our generation has lost due to uh, where we are now as far as in technology, where we are now as far as uh, with us being able to get jobs and being able to uh, provide better for our family, but. It appears that we, you know, in in some cases we forgot where we came from, and we forgot what we're still trying to progress to. Look at it like this: I think there is a an overall, you know, I, I hate to generalize, but it, it's common across the board. There's yeah. a, a a general lack of respect you for go. the older generation. You know, they. It's just a general lack of respect for older people in general, and I, I think that I think that's a shame. I think it's tragic, and I think of everything that we have now and how we wouldn't be able to organize ourselves the way that they did if we tried. Prime example: the Montgomery Improvement Association. Um, I attended Alabama State University, which at the time was Alabama State Teachers College uh, during the uh, Civil Rights Movement, the uh, Montgomery Bus Boycott. The one thing, because of course the news outlets in the city weren't going to cover it. So what they did was they uh, enlisted the help of some students from Alabama State, and they used the Hornet Tribune, which is the school's newspaper, to print out information about the Montgomery bus boycott. Now, flash forward to 2011. 
We have blogs. We have internet radio. Everyone has cell phones. We have everything you can possibly think of to reach. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We even have, we still have MySpace. Everything you can think of to reach a group of people to inform them about something that's going on. And I guarantee you, if we attempted to put something together like that today, we wouldn't be able to do it. So it's like we gained all of this, but at the cost of what? You know, we had a sense of unity at one point Mm -hmm. that we no longer have. There was a sense of black pride. There was a sense of, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And the funny thing about it is, if you look at all the other minorities in the country, they still have that sense of unity largely inspired by us. And and I go. think also they have a sense of ancestry where, where we have a sense where I think we've lost that where you like before, you know, you always owed it to the people that came before you to do better than them. And and now I, I think that's a big part of it, too, where a, a lot of our, our generation doesn't have any sense of, you know, that they owe anybody anything. They don't owe, you know, the our ancestors anything. They don't have to do good because everyone is out of self. I'm only for self. I only think of self. Right. There you go. Um, hey, um, over here on the web chat, uh, me and Carnival Man was having a, a conversation. He was saying that the uh, black community, New Negroes, have split into four separate communities. And I asked him to list them, and this is his opinion right here for what he would say. The first one is the ghetto, which represents represented by the hip hop and reality shows, gangs, drugs, dropouts, and baby mamas. The second one is the middle class, working class, graduates, families, churchgoers, and voters. The third ones are hoteps, forty acres and a mule. Everything is a conspiracy: Freemasons, Boule, Illuminati, and etc. His fourth opinion is the black Republicans that sided with white folks against black people. Mm. I want to know what y'all think about that. <laughs> I think that's a very wow. interesting way to look at it. Um, yep. Actually, I, I kind of agree. Point. Yeah, I really do. I think he, I think he's right on point um, with that. I think he's because you know, I always get mad. I always get mad when people say, "Yeah," like I always get mad when people look at people and they be like, "Well, they they represent black people," and I'll be like, "Well, that's not a re- representation of me." I, you know, I don't equate. I guess certain, you know, you look at a Flavor Flav show or you look at certain people and I don't equate their actions to being black when some people do, you know. And so, like, I I agree that there, there's different sectors. But the one thing I can honestly say is I, I always, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of personal accountability. Yeah, you're right. We have the, the Flavor Flavs and the, and the, the, the basketball wise and, and, and all the the T.O. show and all that stuff, you're right, that's not an accurate description or representation of black people. But we support it in such drones that what other conclusion are they to draw from it? If you tried to put something like that on TV back in the 60s, if it were allowed to be on TV back in the 60s, I guarantee you, I absolutely guarantee you, that the black community as a whole would be in an uproar about it. Well, can I can I play the devil's advocate for a second? Because a lot of us, I don't say support it, but they watch it because it's entertainment. A lot of white people, a lot of Hispanic people are watching the same thing because it's like it's buffoonery. It's 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 yeah, comical. It's, it's supposed if to be. If you watch TV. it, if you're watching it, 
You're helping your you're helping the ratings of it. Therefore, you're supporting but it's not, but I And more often than not, representation of me. I don't think Flavor Flav is a representation of me. I see it as now maybe Joe Smith out in Iowa thinks that Flavor Flav is a representation of all black people, but I see him as just a comedic character on a TV show that's not real. So I don't think that I don't think that people should take I think that there's power and ownership. I do not take ownership of of ignorance as blackness. I, I will never do that. If he acts like a buffoon, that's him acting like a buffoon. That's not black people or representation of how black people act. And we need to stop taking claim in these things. Uh, when when you see the the Chinese van on that. Uh, whatever that Verizon or whatever commercial with that big giant panda bear is he representation of all Asian people that if I was Asian would I would I be offended by that y'all know what commercial I'm talking about yes mm-hmm. I do, I so do. Like, would you would you be offended if you saw that commercial because no that's not representation of all Asian people that's a character and I will not state claim they don't state claim in that they don't take ownership of that we need to stop taking ownership of these buffoons well, this is my thing about it, Jen. Look at it like this. If it were a sitcom and not a reality show, black people would be up in arms. How dare you write content like that to represent black people? But when it's a reality show, then the, then the ownership isn't there. There's no more ownership then. Then it's, oh, that's just, the, just that's the way they act. Realize how much we influence the world. When yeah. they see that I, I we support something, to... they latch on to it. And like I said, you may look at it as entertainment, but the thing about it is you're still giving them ratings. Therefore, you're still supporting it because the advertisers are coming in on it because they believe, okay, the ratings are there. That means people want to watch it. Hey, it's showing up great in black households. Let's be real about something. When you see those type of TV shows, look at the commercials that come up there afterwards. They are geared towards minorities. True. Etc. But then all of a sudden we also see 
tabloids. We also see things on television as far as sex tape scandal, um, uh, money laundering, drug bust, um, going in and out of prison all the time. Uh, Is this something that, um, in relation to the black male in the 60s versus now, this would be part of that particular conversation? I would think, think, when y'all think so? I do. I think that there's more conversation needs to be had had with with children. Um, like why why is that rap star or why is that athlete your hero? You know, beyond is it has to be beyond their their just you know talent, their musical talent or their athletic ability. It has to be you know people understand what a, a hero is. And you know before you know uh, I remember so sweet. Where even my sister said, you know, my mother is her hero because she sees her work hard. Or, you know, people need to plant what a hero is into children's brain and have more better examples of people in our community. We talk about that all the time on this show, how we need to have more people in our community getting out there and reaching out on a personal level. You know, you don't have to be this super duper person, but just talking to someone that you see that may need help, you know, that's being a hero. Nick, you want to chime in on that? Yeah. I get what you're saying, Jim. This is my issue. If you took all of the images that are portrayed of black people, because now we're doing it to ourselves. It's not just the media doing it. We're doing it to ourselves. If you took all the images like that and you put it in one room, all of those characters that we see, all these things that are quote-unquote, for the purposes of entertainment or keeping it real or whatever, and you put someone from the 60s, i.e. a Dr. King in that room, what do you think he would say? What do you think he would say? you got to realize these people were bitten by dogs, beaten by police, sprayed with water hoses, and it was all legal. There was no police brutality. So what do you think if all those guys were in the room and and Dr. King was standing there, what do you think he would say? I think he would be disgusted with us. I I, I really do. I think he would be saddened by people's I think that you know we're, we're not living in a time well most of us don't some of us might if you're in certain areas of the country live in a place with police brutality but most of us don't experience that because we live in a different age however racial inequality and discrimination um, has just taken a different shape and form and instead of you know getting our battle gear up like the generation before us we just sit back and take it and complain and only scrap for ourselves. And I, I think that our our ancestors, our Mega Evers, our, our Dr. Kings, I, I think they would really cry, cry at the state that we have let our people get into, where we have forgotten the we and, and we just look at the I. Right. We, we, we have a clip that we want to uh, get into, and um, this is actually a clip from... Um, a Boondocks episode with Martin Luther King Jr. Um, if you remember the episode, this is when Martin Luther King Jr. came out of a coma. And he saw what was actually going on, and he just had it up to the hill with it, and he just really just let people hear what he felt about what he saw since he, since he has been in a coma. So, uh, Kev, you want to go ahead and get that clip for us, please? All right. Excuse me, brothers and sisters, please. If someone turn off. King looked out on his people and saw they were in great need. 
so he did what all great leaders do. He told them the truth. He just said what I think he said. Is this it? This is what I got all those ass whoopings for. I had a dream once. It was a dream that little black boys and little black girls would drink from the river of prosperity, freed from the thirst of oppression. But lo and behold, some four decades later, what have I found but a bunch of trifling, shiftless, good-for-nothing niggers. And I know some of you don't want to hear me say that word. It's the ugliest word in the English language. But that's what I see now, niggers. And you don't want to be a nigger. Because niggers are living contradictions. Niggers are full of unfulfilled ambitions. Niggers wax and wane. Niggers love to complain. Niggers love to hear themselves talk but hate to explain. Niggers love being another man's judge and jury. Niggers procrastinate until it's time to worry. Niggers love to be late. Niggers hate to hurry. Black entertainment television is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Usher, Michael Jackson is not a genre of music. And now I'd like to talk about soul playing. I've seen what's around the corner. I've seen what's over the horizon. And I promise you, you niggas have nothing to celebrate. And no, I won't get there with you. I'm going to Canada. <laughs> and that was the uh, bonus <laughs> clip with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. when he had woke up, woke up out of the uh, the coma. Um, let's get back to the conversation. Um, hey well, man, let's talk hey. about that particular clip. Before you get into that, yo, um, kind of a man over here, man. Like I said, if y'all on on the web chat on the internet, get you a profile so you can get into this conversation. Kind of a man in uh, Black Man Thirty Seven over here saying some very interesting points, man. Uh, kind of a man was saying that the new Negro w- would say that Dr. King was too soft and that he need a nigger moment. I wonder what y'all think about that. And also, Black Man 37 said the new Negro uh, is, number one, wealthy, rich, and three, uh, the N-word. <laughs> That's his opinion on that one. You know what's so crazy? And, 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 and I... I absolutely respect and I love when Black Man 37 calls in, but there's one thing I have to say that I disagree with. That number one thing he said, wealthy. There's a reason that we won't be wealthy. There's a difference between rich and wealthy. Kobe Bryant is rich. The owner of the Lakers is wealthy. There's a big difference between that. Wealth is long, old money that's passed down from generation to generation. And all those generations have worked hard to preserve that wealth. That's what we're trying to say. That his original vision for the new Negro was that, okay, now that we're getting these things that we have fought long and hard for, 
let's take the mentality that we have now and build generations and generations of wealth so that we never find ourselves a slave to anyone again, whether that be in the body or in the mind. And right now, oh, we got the money, but we're still slaves in the mind. And they say, you know what, that's fine. We'll let the bodies go. You don't have to get out there and pick the cotton anymore. We'll let the bodies go, but we're always going to have your mind. That's true, Nick. I agree, because, like, you know, even in the description, that fine line that Martin Luther King talks about is exactly what you just said. We've given away our mind, you know, not our bodies. You know, they ain't taking the body. They ain't, you ain't getting beat down at work no more. You know, you substitute a lot of your substance for money. And a lot of new Negroes, and there's it, nothing wrong with having money by any means. Nothing wrong with having money by any means. But I think the principles of what and who we are, we tend to forget very quick. I, I just think that a lot of us, you know, find ourselves, I, I think, like, like back in slavery, you know, a lot of them describe, like, the house the house Negroes or whatever as, you know, you're you're grateful and glad for the crumbs that the mass will give you. And you, you eat them up, you know, but, but you have to realize they're crumbs. And I think that a lot of what we get are crumbs. And, and we're, we don't realize it. Like, you know, a lot of people don't know the difference between rich and wealthy. And so... When they're presented that they're just happy with that money, but it's not it's not real. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Also, and my also, thing is, is it worth it? Is it worth it to lose the family values that we had? Is it worth it to lose the unity that we had? Like for everything that we've gained, is it worth what we've lost? Or have we become just as corrupt and just as just as bad as the people that were oppressing us years ago? Because now we do it to our own people. Because, just like Jen said earlier, we have this constant me. Me, 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 me mentality. It's all about me. Is it really worth losing everything that we fought so hard for and everything that we value so much? Because that money is not going to last forever. You can't take right. it with you. One thing I heard today, I talked to an older gentleman today, and he said, if you weren't born with it, it doesn't belong to you. You can't take that stuff with you anywhere. And I, I thought back to a clip that Eddie Griff, the comedian Eddie Griff said. He was like, yeah, you can't take this money with you. The Egyptians tried to take the money with it, and now guess what? Their dead bodies are on tour. And everybody else in the free world has their money that was there. All that wealth. So is it worth losing it? Is it worth losing everything that's really the real wealth? The wealth of your family? The wealth of a legacy? Of, a, a, of generations and generations? Is it worth losing it just to say... I got mine. But you know what, y'all? I want I want us to take a step back and, and define to everyone that's just tuning in and everything, what is a new Negro in your opinion? What is a new Negro? Because there are a lot of people out there that really don't even look at that term as a reality of what it is now. You know, we just looked at it as we've progressed beyond uh, where our grandparents were and our, you know, where our great-grandparents were. So what is a new Negro to each one of you guys? I have to agree with the um, the the person on the web chat where, you know, I don't know if I break them down in those specific ones, but I think that we've broken up. The new Negro has, you know, progressed into several different categories. But I think one thing that's kind of universal that may stretch, you know, throughout all categories that you may split them up in is that the new Negro has forgotten, a lot of us have forgotten the consciousness of that, you know, who we are and what it means to be black and what it means 
to be the responsibility of being black. And I, I think that a lot of people forget that, and a lot of people yes. don't don't even take on that responsibility, or even worse yet, see the need to. Right. I I would say um, they don't have identity because mm-hmm. their identity comes from what they see on television, who is put right in front of them. Their identity comes from um, the majority race, which is white America. Uh, one thing that I have a problem with, and you know, and I laugh at sometimes, but that's what you know. I can't knock how somebody grew up, but when I walk past, you know, a black male, and he's with a bunch of white guys, and his personality is just like the white guys. He laughs like him, talks like him, says "dude," and and like he uses all those phrases, but. When you put him in a room with other African American males, he turns back into his real, like he, like his real self. You know, I don't, I don't like that. Be yourself every day, all day. You don't have to portray yourself in a certain way to be accepted by a group that you want or think that you want to be associated with. That's that's one thing I feel like the new Negro. Um, well, the definition of a, of a new Negro is that they lack identity. You know what I think the the new Negro is? Uh Uh, And this is going to sound a little out the box. The new Negro, to me, is honestly the old house slaves. Mm, There you go. The master has chosen me Mm -hmm. to have a little bit more than you. So I'm going to separate myself from you because you're part of the have-not. And I'm going to separate myself from you because... In my opinion and in my mind and by what my master says, I'm better than you. So I'm not going to help you escape. I'm not going to help you learn to read or write or count. All I'm going to do is I'm going to hold you down because I've got mine, and that's all I'm concerned about. And to me, that's and what I even help the master kill my people because I he might give me two more crumbs. The new Negro is the dude off of life that say, you lucky. I ain't nice like boss. I'll slap the black off your ass. Yep. You know what, y'all, this is my opinion. I'm about to piss all y'all off. A new Negro to me is one that looks back, like y'all said, it's in, it's in context of what, what you guys were saying. But to me, a new Negro is the one that looked back and said a lot of the things y'all just said about black folks. They look back and look down on them. Those are the new Negroes, the ones that have forgotten who they are and where they come from, in my exactly. opinion. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. saying? So if it. we look back, That's and right. I know me and Jen, we got into it a while ago about you know, certain things she won't claim as being black or whatever the case may be. Those are things that are in our community. And when you look back at them and say, that's not a part of me who I am, I am better than, then therefore a lot of times you looked upon as that new Negro in just a general context. Well, let me be the new Negro then. Because you know what? The black people that I see that are representations of black people to me are not black people out there uh, mis mis representing themselves, you know, as, as being whorish or or being, you know, um, these gangsters or whatever. That is a decision that that person made for their life, and their decision for negativity is not equating to black people to me because that's not the black people I have mm-hmm. seen. Well, how about this, Dan? Let's, let's play this clip right here, and um, I want everybody to pay attention to this one. This is a clip from 1957. This clip was done with Dr. Martin Luther King. I shortened it up a little bit so it could make sense and, and also fit the content of what we're talking about right now. 
This is Dr. Martin Luther King talking about the new Negro of 1957. Once we get finished with this, y'all make sure to compare to what we think a new Negro is now and what he say a new Negro represent in 1957. This is Blog Talk Radio, the Middleman Talk Show, this Sunday. First, I ask you, Dr. King, in your estimation, what and who is this new Negro? I think I could uh, best answer that question by saying first that the new Negro is a person with a new sense of dignity and destiny, with a new self-respect. Along with that, uh, is this uh, like a fear which uh, once characterized the Negro, this uh, willingness to stand up courageously for what he feels is just and uh, what he feels he deserves on the basis of the laws of the land. Uh, I think also included would be uh, this self-assertive attitude that you just mentioned. And all of these factors come together to make what uh, seems to me to be the new Negro. I think also I would like to mention this uh, uh, growing honesty uh, which characterizes the Negro today. Uh, there was a time that the Negro used uh, duplicity uh, or deception to, uh, rather as a survival technique. Although he didn't particularly like conditions, he, he said he liked them because uh, he felt that the boss wanted to hear that. But now from the housetops, from the kitchen, from the classrooms, and from the pulpits, the Negro says in no uncertain terms that he doesn't like the way he's being treated. So at long last, the Negro is telling the truth. And I think this uh, is also one of the basic characteristics of the new Negro. Now, that is Dr. Martin Luther King back in 1957. If y'all took notes and paid attention to those characteristics of what he thought a new Negro is, how does that contrast to what we're talking about today? I, I got something very interesting from from that clip um, where I thought that he said previously before the – what year did this clip come out? 1957. 1957. Before 1957, in previous years, he talked about the deception of the Negro and 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 so have you. And he he used deception as a form of survival. And if you think back, you know, at the harshness of that time was even more. Jim Crow was even more harsh, and you know, um, it was probably a couple of decades after Reconstruction, and you know, everything was really really bad. But you know, I think that we, it's interesting to think that now, I think this generation has reverted back to that. So does that mean, like, I'm asking you guys, does that mean that our situation, you know, I guess towards other races or how we're treated, has it reverted back to that, the worst treatment, but it's just taken a different form? Do you get what I'm saying? It is, mm-hmm. it is somewhat a different form. I think it goes back to what Al was saying, uh, just in his definition of the new Negro. It was right on point with what Dr. King was saying. The duplicity now is not for survival. It's for advancement. Mm-hmm. Which is now survival. Because if you're not, quote, unquote, the rich, or if you don't have certain material things, you're shunned in this society. Okay, well, if that's the case, then why don't you ask, an Indian man who, along with his family, own and operate a budget inn. 
and got credit scores and bank accounts that will make you cry at your corporate at your corporate job because they're killing you because they're working like blue collar workers, but they're working together. Why don't you ask the uh, the Pakistani man who owns a Seven Eleven, owns his own business, and his credit score and his bank account makes you cry when you go to your corporate job? And I'm not saying you in general. I'm saying just I'm saying all of us in general. You know, it material things. That's the problem. We're putting too right. much on material things. If you look at the wealthy, if you look at the wealthy, they're wealthy for a reason. I'm not going to keep spending my money on things that depreciate. And 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 the key thing that you said, Nick, was that they are working together. They're working together. We working against each other all the time. We're the only race that doesn't work together of life. Hey, we do exactly. have a comment right exactly. here, um, a caller that's calling in that would like to give a comment in. Um, caller 402, you're live on the Middleman Talk Show. Greetings, family. What's up, Greetings. man? They're what learning, you bro. What's They're up? learning. Black <laughs> <laughs> man 37, <laughs> right? Yes, sir. I was going to yes, say sir. that um, survival, as the sister was saying, was for survival. Survival back in the time meant food, water, shelter. And clothing, you needed that to survive to get to the next day, the next week, the next month. Material, material things is not survival nowadays. Material things is I want to have to show uh, off, show offism. That's all that is. That. But people are dying for show offism. Look at the kids that are murdering each other for shoes or clothes or, you know, like robbing stores. Look, look at those kids who are ruining their life for those things. And a lot of kids think. I'm not saying it is survival because I, I don't believe that, but a lot of kids have that mentality. If I don't have these things, it's it's so it means so much to them that they will risk their lives or their freedom for it. Well, they risk their lives and freedom for it. However, survival for us, especially also on this phone, we understand that survival actually means you need the necessities in order to survive, or you will basically just die off, or you won't be able to make it. So, but I, I can understand your point, but. No, I, that's because they want to show off and to impress someone else, so they can say, "See, I got it too." Um, Black man, thirty-seven. I want to ask you a question. Could you explain your listing as far as what you think a new ne- Negro is, as far as the wealthy, the rich, and the N words? Well, why did you come with come up with that combination? Because the wealthy, because the small a wealthy is a small class. As we know, we know it's a small group of individuals on the planet. And the wealthy, among, especially among us, the, I'm talking about billionaires now, uh-huh. that's what I consider wealthy billionaires, is that they have pretty much done like you were saying. I mean, they would pretty much sell their soul and make sure that they continue to sell their soul so they can have greater wealth, greater access to resources. Okay. So that's why I named the wealthy as number one because they would do anything if that even if they have to keep black people's foot on their neck. True. That are lower class to do it. If they have to sell out their family, if they have to have their family killed, they'll do it. I think they call them the bolle. Next, moving on. <laughs> um, I put the rich up there because some of the rich will do the same thing. Some of us as rich black people, to be rich, will do anything. Even if I have to prostitute myself, even if I have to sell out my own people, even if I have to do whatever I have to do, lie, deceive, murder, to get there because I want to live and have what this is, this so-called thing called the American dream. 
the illusion. So some of them are actors in Hollywood. Some of them will become homosexuals just to have greater wealth or to become rich. Okay. Now, when I said the 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 ends, the the N word, you know, these are brothers, normal brothers on the street that are ignorant that choose not to want to learn to become better. They like the thug life. They like this whole negative image thing because that is what they have embodied, and they believe that's the way of life, even females. So, I mean, women in this in these three categories as, as well. Some women will sell themselves. They'll sell their soul. They'll sell their body just to have become wealthy. That's for that money. Become rich. Even worse, their children. Even worse, their children. Yeah, it, even worse, their children. And you know what? That's sick and sad. Even mm-hmm. their own children. Some of them are part of some of these cults. They'll even sacrifice their own damn children just to yeah. have access to resources. That's well, what the new media has Keeping in line with, with our first question of the day. Yes, sir. It seems to be, it's just like you said, they will sacrifice all of this. And more than that, does it outweigh what we've lost as a society? Because in some people's minds, it's justified. I, I yes. think it's so not. Is, is it worth bad. all the loss that we've taken? To those with that mindset or that satanic mindset, yes. It is worth it because, see, I can live comfortably. See, I can show off to everybody else what I have. I can brag. I could be right up here with the other ones who really have that control of the access of resources and money. I can sit with them and say, hi, how are you? You know what? I got my yacht today, too, Bill. Dick, Jim, Bradley. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even up with the job. That's right. I got to keep up with them because they are the ones that have the greater access to power. They have the greater access to wealth, to resources on the planet. I've got to be close to these people because I'm not important unless this wealthy white man says I'm important. And if I can't be up there with him, then I'm not important. So you would say that would translate to... Uh, people that are yeah. in the ghettos where the reason why they would have that mind state of, I got to keep up with the Jones. I got to have the freshest kicks and the biggest rims and all these things. But is that just a conditioning factor or is that just the reality of what we have going on in our society right now, especially black the, society? The American dream is a conditioning of all people, especially to blacks. It's just we express it a little differently than everybody else. This is somebody white. You know, they express it by having, you know, the biggest house or the way they may dress, the way they may speak and the way they use their words and the way they conduct themselves in a certain way. They don't get out. They don't have to go out and get the rims. They usually show their wealth by the type of car they buy, the type of house they have or the houses they have or the yacht or whatever else, jewelry. Let's look at it like this. The American dream, let's let's, let's not – Let's not fun about it. The American dream changed. If you remember, the original American dream was freedom. It was freedom. And everyone who came to the United States of America, everyone who came to this country, with the exception of African Americans and the Native Americans that were already there, already here, everyone else came to escape some type of oppression that they were dealing with in their home countries. But somewhere along the line, they conveniently changed the American dream from freedom to wealth. Mm-hmm. So, During well, the capitalist movement in this country, 
Yeah, the, I mean, the, the phrase was, the, the American Dream was actually coined off a book. Called, I, mean, I guess the American Lifestyle or something like that. And somebody coined it the American Dream. So at one point it was freedom. I think they still say it's freedom. But under, under that, it's material. It's wealthy. It's being rich is the true American dream because then you can have everything you want and you don't have to worry about anything anymore because you have all this money. That's true, man. We appreciate you for your call and your comment, man. We're going to go ahead and keep it Thank moving. Uh, if you have any other comment, man, just press that number one again and we will definitely bring you back in. Thank you. All right, thank you. To all our other listeners that are listening on the phone line or via the Internet, uh, the number is 718-508-9972. You can press that number one. Or if you're on the web, go over to our web chat, get you a profile, and let's keep the, uh, the conversation going over there also. Um, go ahead, Nick. Well, I was just going to say um, we definitely appreciate Black Man 37 for his comment, but it actually segues into our next question of the day, and that is, does the, does the new black man or woman Desires to succeed in corporate America Does their desire To succeed in corporate America justify Their failure with the Black family There's an abandonment issue when it ter- In terms of career For some reason as a whole Not everyone but just in, in general The higher up in corporate America That we have become The more and more we have gotten away from our family Our family values I think our values as a people in itself. I don't know how many people out there, especially African Americans, that work in corporate America, but I think, especially for us, in corporate America, I think it takes a little out of you to work in that environment. You know, I don't know about every company or every job, but I've worked a couple corporate jobs, and I just... I just think that the person that you have to become, the things that you have to swallow to survive, the things that you hear, the racial comments, the the, the this and that, and and you have to swallow them and, and keep going all in the namesake of moving up the corporate ladder or, or keeping your job. And if you say something or have an opinion or stand up for your people, you lose your job or you're at risk of, of being kicked out of that world. And I, I think it's it's very hard to be a conscious person of of what's going around in your community and continue to work in, in corporate America. Yeah, but a lot of, well, you know, I, one, one of my opinion I, on this, yo, is that I feel that a lot of new Negroes don't care about their communities. As you guys stated earlier, it's all about the me. It's all about the I. Once they get yeah. in those positions, they're not looking back to reach down and help somebody else. Like you said, because of the, the, the unwarranted issues that they'll have in the office with other people and the corporate heads up, you know, the uh, execs and whatnot. So you look at the new Negro, you know, a lot of times they're very successful, but they're, 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 they're few, the fruit that they bear from their tree is very bad. Their tree is very bad. They're not helping out nobody. They don't care. Right. You know, so are, are we don't just say this recognize. Let me say this. Let me say this. But see, but see, another thing too. Um, we're not looking at what the legacy for for our generation is going to be. We're not doing anything to increase that. We're not doing anything to change that. Uh, because now the legacy of our generation right now is going to be what a bunch of more of us becoming musical artists or trying to become the actors. The award. That's the legacy of our right. generation. Exactly. You know, so we don't have the whole train award. There, there are small the percentage of that new contract with the Saints. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's what you're trying to make a good point, man. <laughs> but look at it, look at it from this aspect. 
and this is what I'm saying, and I, I maybe I worded it wrong, but when I say the black family, I'm not even just talking about just the black community as a whole. You have people in corporate America that drive a wedge between themselves and their family or choose not to even try to attempt to start a family because they're so concerned and so enthralled about being in corporate America. Going back to what Jen was just saying, you're right. There's a lot of stuff in corporate America that you have to you have to eat, you have to you have to swallow, you have to deal with all of that. But for me, I know my solace is when I get home and I'm with my family. You only got peace in two places. That's in your home and in the grave. I'm not going to wait till the grave to get my peace. So if anything else, everything that I go through in corporate America, that makes me want to get to my family even more because that's my solace. The second thing, going back to what Jen was saying, I 50% agree with you because, Jen, you're an example of this uh, yourself. You work in corporate America. However, you work in corporate America, you still take time to volunteer. You still take time to mentor. You still take time to work with political issues. It can be done. It can be done. Yeah. But for a lot of people, in, in fact, this new Negro, it's not worth it to them. Because, once again, it goes back to that mentality of I, I, me, I, me. I don't care about anything else, just like black man said just a second ago. I'm so concerned about getting the validation from this white man who, honestly, the guy who started the company I'm working for, doesn't have half the the, the education that I have doesn't have half the natural know-how and business sense that I have. But guess what? Nine times out of ten, if you look at those Fortune 500 companies, most of them were started during a recession or a depression, and most of them with the help of the families. One of the most successful black businesses in the history of this country was Motown Records, and it was started with the help of Barry Gordy's family. He employed his family, and he's ran a successful independent record label that changed the face of music over the course of 45 years based on family values. Now, I'm not saying he did everything the right way, but the one thing he never did was he never turned his back on his family. I want, I want to ask y'all something. Can we blame the quote-unquote white man for the new Negro? Are they a, a direct result of us having the quote-unquote new Negro? Of nowadays, because what King well, was saying, thought, the new thought, Negro back in we, his time, that it don't even relate to that. No, well, I thought that we, you know, we kind of etched that out on uh, one of our previous shows because we do have a mind of our own. But due to some of the job criteria and the look of your actual uh, being to get hired on a job, and actually what your name sounds like and looks like on a piece of paper. We can somewhat blame white America for nah, some of our... No, 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 no. That ain't I, what I'm I, I ain't talking about getting a job. I ain't talking about... I'm saying the reason why... What is the reason why we have this new mentality, the quote-unquote Negro... That's new what Negro I'm trying to get at, White folks have nothing to do with it. That's what I'm trying to get at, because we have to act a certain way to get to where we want to be, Kevin. We have but to act proper. We have to cut our hair. We can't wear braids. We 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 are ashamed of our names. Like if we have a a long drawn out very very unique name, we go with our middle name instead of our first name. We are ashamed of that because we know that we won't get hired somewhere or we won't be accepted some way. Yes. So why can't we start our own businesses? Thank you. Because, 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 we greedy. We greedy. 
we don't, you know, that so we don't look out for others. It's all about me. It's all about my but, money. But Al, that's a general. Money. That is a general uh, no, comment no. to say this across that, the board that we. That is not a not general all comment. Black people it's, agree. It's I'm not. Can, can, can I say this? That, that, I, I think that. that, that I think that. Comment. Think Hold on, y'all. Let's, let's, Jen, go ahead, Jen. I think this is how white people are involved. I think that. Willie Lynch is not that Willie Lynch mentality is not that far off. America makes a lot of money off of the the unity and the the ignorance of black people. They do. They make millions and billions of dollars off of it mm-hmm. and they learn how to market it. They learn yep. how to make us new slaves and and mm-hmm. the difference between then and now is there were a bunch of people an overwhelming number of black people that said no, no more. But now, like we said, we discussed earlier in the show, because we get maybe two more crumbs or a gold watch or maybe a new car or some Jordans, you know, we take that treatment. We take what is given to us and we've turned ourselves into self-inflicted slaves to make white America or the wealthy, the 1% of the world that's wealthy, to continue to make them and their families even more wealthier. And, and that's what we've done to ourselves. Well, let's bring Black Man Thirty Seven back in. I see you got a comment. Hey, you back live, my man. Hey, uh, I was gonna say yes and no. Okay. Yes, because they right. laid down the foundation for it and they set up the program to weed and see mm-hmm. those who will. And then you got the you other go. hand of a lot of those who are, of us who have our minds. So we choose not to allow them to do that to us, and we decide to go the opposite way. Although we're gonna have right. it harder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in both. It's, yeah, it's yes and no. Thank All you. Right, That's we'll, all I had to say. We appreciate you. All Thanks. right. That was, that was a good comment right there. Um, let's get into the next question right there, y'all. And uh, go ahead. One of you guys going to take the next question. Old new, old Negroes, new Negroes. Okay. Now, as far as with uh, the last question of the day, if the old Negro and the new Negro met face to face. What would be the conversation? What would be the end result? What would they talk about? How would they react around each other? How would they look at each other? You know, what would that look like? Al, I got something for that, man. I want to, I want to just let everybody know these are the things, and we kind of talked about this earlier as far as the gains and the loss, as far as with our communities and the new Negroes and the, you know, as far as back in the day and the ones that we have now. These are some of the things that I believe that the old black man would tell the young black man of the day of that you know the quote-unquote new negro now these are some of the things he was subjected to and uh i'm gonna play this clip right here and it's about the rise and the fall of the jim crow laws once we get past it we're gonna get right back into this conversation all right y'all check this out uh the middleman talk show on blog talk radio And all you gals and boys, I'm just from Tuckahoe. I'm going to sing a little song. My name's Jim Crow. Wheel about and turn about and do just so. Every time I wheel about, I jump Jim Crow. I went down to the river. In 1836, Jim Crow is born. He begins his strange career as a malicious minstrel caricature of a black man, created by a white man to amuse white audiences. Jim Crow would come to symbolize one of the most tragic eras of race relations in American history, a time deeply rooted in promise and contradiction. 1865, 
four million Americans, slaves simply because they were born black, were now free. But in little over a decade, that promise was gone, replaced by a rigid system of laws designed to keep blacks from experiencing any of their newly achieved rights. It would be known as the era of Jim Crow, the American form of racial apartheid. I tried to lean inside and get me a cup of water. And those white people beat me till I was unconscious. They thought I was dead. My dad said, as long as you're living in this South, you're going to have to go to the back door in this South. Now you just settle for that. He said, but one thing I want you to swear and promise to me, that you will never get used to it. I'm not ashamed of the segregated and Jim Crow experience, all because we were able to devise techniques for survival that permitted us to abide our time and to wait until our change comes. As most blacks were willing to bide their time, some began to fight back. In the late 1880s and 90s, they embarked on an uncertain campaign to secure voting rights, build their own communities, schools, businesses, and churches, and to demand redress against mob violence and lynching. The white supremacists fought back. By 1919, the Ku Klux Klan, which had been a southern idiosyncrasy, became a national ideology. White supremacy, the power behind Jim Crow, appeared invincible. And over the next decade, the violence against blacks would grow even more horrific. But black Americans continued to battle, using the power of the press and ultimately the power of the courts to pursue their quest for freedom and equality against racism. The rise and fall of Jim Crow is their story. The story of strong men and women who would never accept the demeaning, threatening, and perilous world of Jim Crow. The rise and fall of Jim Crow is the story of those who, in the face of unending terror, achieved triumphs. Triumphs that would, in time, make America a better place, not just for themselves, but for all of us. That right there was a chip, the clip of uh, Jim Crow right there, y'all. And it, it, it somewhat reflects back on the statement that Martin Luther King said, you know, time might not, might make us forget the fine line that we walk. And it's, you know, it, 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 we're getting closer and closer back to that fine line again with our youth, with our, our high echelons, and with our just our communities in general that we're going to eventually mess around and fall back into that old ways of what it was. I think that's one thing that one of our, uh, you know, if you act, if you would like the question posed, the old Negro and the new Negro, the old black and the young black, if he were talking to him, he would have to remind them of the triumphs and tribulations that they went through back in the day. And how 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 dare us forget that? How right. dare we forget that? And then you the know, majority of the Negroes, um, they don't even know about it because um, the schools don't, of course. They don't expound on it. A lot of their, um, you know, since we're having children younger and younger every year, 
those generations are not as well educated on that particular era of uh, what went on back in the civil rights movement. But they wouldn't know. But go ahead, Nick. Well, I'll just say this, and this may make a couple of people upset. Um, you're right. The, 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 the old Negro would have to remind him, you know, of what he's done. But you know what's so bad? The arrogance and the ignorance of the new Negro won't allow him to accept that. You have a lot of people nowadays that are conveniently proud to be black and conveniently proud of our ancestry, and they don't bring it up unless they're being discriminated against. We don't care about black history until somebody on Fox News says something wrong about us. Then we up in arms. We don't care about them talking bad about our politicians on the local level, but let them say something about Barack. Then it's a problem. We are convenient. We're so convenient with our history, and there's no other race. On the face of this planet That is just convenient about this We want to cry racism When it applies to us We want to cry about the civil rights movement When it applies to our situation at that time So he wouldn't respect What he had to say He wouldn't, he wouldn't say what he had to say at all Honestly It may end Your up question. with him treating the old, With the new Negro treating the old Negro No better than white people That age would treat him Yeah and, and that, that's you know, just to put it more in context, our youth do not listen to our elders now. And, and you know, we do have some, I'm going to be honest, in our communities, it's us talking. Some of our elders are not worth listening to because they mind is gone. You know, but when you got that great-grandma that's still living, that's trying to tell you right, you need to listen. Because, like I said, how dare we forget that line, that fine line that Martin Luther King spoke about. How dare we forget that? Because if you look at it, like you said earlier, Nick, we choose to sit at the back of the bus now. People fought against that. You know what I'm saying? We choose to be dumb and people die for us to get into school and read and do all these different things. But we choose to do that. And what is the purpose of us, like you said, fighting the way that we're fighting? And ain't the generation now, they're looking at it like, oh, well, it don't, it don't really rela- it don't reflect on me right now, so what's the difference? Not until there's a noose hanging up at the high school. Oh, then we up in arms. Oh, yeah. We finna call uh, Warren Valentine, and we finna call Al Sharpton, we finna call Jesse Jackson. We want everybody to come down there, Michael Basin. We want all y'all to come down and rally. Now, because of this one incident, we've been discriminated against when we do it to ourselves every day. Where's your up in arms when we're out there killing each other or stealing from each other, holding each other down in corporate America? When you, why, why aren't you up in arms then? Yep. Yep, go ahead, Al. Well, I just want to say the phone lines are open. You may dial 718-508-9972. But um, I would say instead of calling all those people, Nick, let's call the common man down there who wants to speak and who has been trying to get his voice out there. We need to call some, some people who are actually not on that level, but who are, I guess you would say, uh, the public out there to speak. Because, I mean... To call, you know, Al Sharpton and, you know, uh, Michael Bays and all them, that's, that's, that's fine willy and nilly. And I don't like Jesse Jackson no more. I mean, but you know uh, what, dude? I, can, I mean, this, I can, this is something Black Man 37. This is something Black Man 37 was saying on the board. You know, we got a, a lot of followers and not enough leaders. And my opinion was that we have a lot of leaders, but we don't. We are the only, like Nick said, we're the only people on this earth 
Y'all know right now, name me one white leader. Name me a white leader. Name me a Chinese leader. Yeah. Name me a, 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 a Japanese leader. Name me another ethnicity that, quote-unquote, have leaders that they throw out in the forefront all the time. Why do we do that? That's right. You want to talk about one that's not a political figure? See, not a political. It don't even matter, dude. We, I don't see any other <laughs> races when have they have an issue, especially like Jewish people. Yeah. Jewish people. When y'all see a Jewish leader? Or a spokesperson. A spokesperson for mm-hmm. the Jewish people. Like, they don't that's have, right. like, one spokesperson. That's why, that's why I said. That's why I said. You know, said we don't need that. We need the public. Like, we need to, like the, like a common person, man. We don't need all that. You know, it's so, like one person does not represent us. One person cannot speak for us. We are not a monolithic race. Thank Here we go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank On you. top of that, all of us are leaders. That's just my opinion. Some of y'all exactly. may agree with that. Some of y'all may not agree with that. Some people don't. Not not everybody is meant to be a leader. But off the gate, you can lead. Period. Mm-hmm. Because even right. for good and bad, you lead. If you're doing wrong, you, you lead. If you're doing right, you lead somebody to that wrong or somebody to that right. And we need to put that more so in our kids' head that, hey, you can do this. You can be this. You can right. do something positive. Or the right. people that are our leaders out there who are the spokespeople, not for our whole race, but the people who stand up for injustice. I think amongst us, we have to realize that things have changed. Like, you know, before we did need the Huey Newtons and the, you know, the Jesse Jacksons and the um, Martin Luther Kings. But I think the scope of our, our whole generation, our environment, and how we communicate with each other has changed. And, and we need to evolve and stop just going old school and just sticking with that one way. You know, one thing with Martin Luther King, too, is it, the funny thing, the funniest thing. Y'all have heard speeches from him, and it's always they, they make it so cushiony, you know what I'm saying, with him. And they always throw that I have a dream speech up in our face all the time. Nothing wrong with it. But when we going to wake up and live this reality that we're facing in our community right now? I have nothing, no problem with that. But when are we going to wake up and face this reality? Now, I have a clip right here, and I know we're going to clip y'all out today. But this one is about pride, and it's one thing that we need to speak upon also after this clip right here. Where's the pride at in our community? You know what I'm saying? When are we going to step up and have that pride that we once had before? Um, this is Martin Luther King right here, and this is a rare speech. It's not that long, but this is a rare part of a speech that he did that they don't really let us hear that often. Some of y'all may have heard it. Some of y'all may have not heard it. But y'all check this out. This is the Middleman Talk Show on Blog Talk Radio. Here we go. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to the group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation proclamation. Don't let anybody take your manhood. 
be proud of our heritage. As somebody said earlier tonight, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. They couched it in language. They made everything black, ugly, and evil. Look in your dictionary and see the synonyms of the word black. It's always something degrading and low and sinister. Look at the word white. It's always something pure, high, and clean. But I want to get the language right tonight. I want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out, Yes, I'm black. I'm proud of it. I'm black and beautiful. Now, how powerful was that right there? Mm-hmm. How powerful was that right there? When the last time y'all heard Martin Luther King on that level? Why they don't play that with more often? You know what I, I, I honestly... You know where that pride comes from? It came from one person not just stepping up. You can never deny what Dr. King did for the civil rights movement. And for black America, and, and really and truly America as a whole. But the one thing that he always acknowledged is that it was a collective effort. It wasn't just Dr. King, it was also Ralph Abernathy, it was Malcolm X, it was Medgar Evers, it was Rosa Parks. It, I mean, it, it, it was so many. And it's just like you said, they kind of, people kind of just took him as a de facto leader. But it was so many other people that stepped up. It goes back to what. Al and Jen was saying the average person that 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 just that everyday person that has to deal with all this oppression has to step up. Do I think that we're gonna get those any of those um that pry back when we have a great loss? I think we will as a whole when we have a great loss or when something is taken from us. Because like I said, the only time we do have that pride and the only time we do stand up is when we feel like there's been an injustice done. It shouldn't have to get to that point, but unfortunately, that's where a lot of it is. So it's emotional. We think we made it. We think think we have absolutely made it. And there's no one that can tell us any difference. We've made it. We got here. We can get in corporate America. I can start my. I can do this. I can do that. I can get this record deal. I'm about to blow up. I'm about to put all my boys on. We gonna go up there and we gonna spend more money That's on drugs yep. and and gambling and everything else. We'll spend more money on that than we do on educating ourselves in the business that we're in. You wanna know where the black pride went? The black pride as a whole died a long time ago because nowadays you got more brown skin under those KKK rows than you've ever had. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I hate to say that. What, what are right. some of the solutions, Dan? What, what do y'all think are some of the solutions? Dan? Anyone that's listening on our phone lines or via the web, uh, get into the conversation. We got you know a couple of minutes left. If we want to know what what you guys think of some of the solutions uh, to some of the questions that we posed today. What a solution, y'all. Just general. 
we have to educate ourselves a lot more, and we have to educate our youth because they're going to be the ones who are, you know, turning the tables for us in the future. You know, back when Whitney Houston was saying that we, you know, she believed still in our future, we were those children then. So now it's time for us to continue that on for the next 20 years. So, so and we got to do what we got to do to make sure that our youth know where we came from and what uh, our grandparents wanted for us. Because my grandmother, she, she, she worked hard. She fought hard. You've seen that. It's a lot of things. You know? So, and I'm pretty sure all of our grandparents and, and great grandparents have witnessed and, and, and fought for things. And a lot of these things are you know, becoming left un, unturned because we're being more content. We're settling for things. And we're not striving for, uh, you know, future success or future greatness because we get frustrated. And, and then this me, myself, and I syndrome, man, that's going to be a tough thing to tackle, but it can be tackled. I believe so also. I believe so also. Um, man, I, I think we had a great discussion, man. Let everybody know what we talked about tonight. And, uh, you know, if you want to go back and listen to this whole show again, if you missed the beginning of it, you can go back to Blog Talk Radio forward slash uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the middleman and check out this show and not only this show we have other shows archived about uh, a gambit of just gambit of uh, uh, topics that we cover so y'all make sure y'all go back and check it out but yeah, let them know what we talked about today uh, the title of the day show of course is the new negro and we did a lot of comparing contrasting to the new negro and the old negro and some of the clips in which we pointed out today Pretty, pretty much expressed that and you know we took a clip from the Boondock series with Martin Luther King when he woke up out of that coma we also had a clip from a rare footage of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King in 1957 discussing what his definition of the new Negro was and also we uh, played a clip on the rise and fall of the Jim Crow laws and our last clip was of course Martin Luther King, King Jr. talking about black pride and some of the questions that we dwelled on today was um, has the new uh, black man gained, well, what has the new black man gained in comparison to what has been lost? And does the new black man or woman desire to succeed in corporate America to justify his or her failure or lackness with the black family? And what if the old and, old and new Negro met face-to-face? What would be their end result? How would their conversation be? And like Kevin said, go back and check out this particular show. Um, it will be archived. We are going to feature this show. So when you click on our uh, page, you will see this show first. So we really want y'all to pay attention and, and uh, re-listen to this show. And send us an email or send us a uh, comment on Facebook. You can email us at wearethemiddlemen at gmail.com. And uh, make sure you entitle um, your comment um, in response to the new Negro show so we'll know what your email is about. And the same thing on the Facebook page. If you go to our The Middleman Talk Show page on Facebook, uh, make sure you entitle that as well, too. All right. Nick, are you ready for your talk of the town, man? I'm always ready, man. Matter of fact, before we even do that, man, let's announce this next show coming up this Thursday because we got a lot of people listening on the line, a lot of people listening on the web. Uh, Let them know what we got coming up this Thursday on the talk of the town because everybody, y'all might want to tune in to this show. Let them know who our special guest is. This coming Thursday on Talk of the Town with Nick Eden, we have an R&B legend. And I'm going to tell you right now, because of him, I wish I'd never met her. 
because she got me emotional out in the summer rain. Paul <gasps> Thomas <gasps> will be joining us this Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. <laughs> Let's repeat that. 7 p.m. Central Time. 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Do I need to say it again? Yes. <laughs> this coming Thursday, R&B legend Carl Thomas will be joining us on Talk of the Town, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Make sure you guys tune in, but we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to give him an entire platform. We also have a couple of other guys coming in. We're going to talk about this whole thing about the state of male R&B. But we're definitely going to be talking with Carl Thomas. So make sure that you tune in this coming Thursday, 718-508-9972. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Please tell a friend to tell a friend. All right, hello. Hey, talk of the town. Nick Eaton, y'all check it out. What's up, world? This is your man, Nick Eaton, and I'm here with the talk of the town. T.I. is released from prison. And sent right back in. God damn it! While he was released from prison into a halfway house on Wednesday, T.I. was about to try to get his life back on track. Because while he wouldn't have been an all-the-way free man, he would have had a set number of hours each day to get some work done. But now, because of a violation no one quite understands, Tip is stuck at the federal penitentiary in Atlanta until September 29th. Even T.I.'s lawyer has yet to get an exact explanation as to why authorities are making such a big deal of the fact that he rode from Arkansas to Atlanta in a tour bus, or how they allowed him to get on his violating bus ride to begin with. Hey! Keep it in the circuit! Ray J. Ugh! Idiot! Ray J, spotted out with his new girlfriend last night in L.A., is ready for his sex tape with Kim Kardashian to come off of the market. According to Vivid Entertainment, the company who currently owns the tape, a mystery buyer has offered them $30 million to acquire the rights to the sex tape. The buyer will also like to purchase any other footage that Vivid may have that involves Kim with the hopes of taking the sex tape off the market completely. TMZ caught up with Ray J last night to get his thoughts on the situation, and he claims that he would absolutely love for the tape to be taken off the market. Although he claims not to know who the potential buyer is, he thinks the tape is worth much more than $30 million. You must be out of your goddamn mind. This is your man, Nick Eden, and this is the Talk of the Town. Man, I don't know why people celebrating this dude getting out of jail. I like T.I. I forgot. You're a T.I. I like T.I. You know what I'm saying, man? I'm celebrating all the kids that graduated from Morehouse this past summer. Thank you. Me too, but you still can't like, well, care about Clifford Harris getting out of jail. <sighs> Junior, Clifford Harris Junior. You want to know what's so funny? You want to know what's so funny? A young lady by the name of Cynthia won $500 on MediaTakeout.com because MediaTakeout ran a poll months ago, and they said whoever can predict when T.I. will go back into jail after he comes out will win $500. And she said less than one day. That was months ago. She won five hundred dollars on that. You tell me how crazy that is. The pay is crazy. You should have entered that contest, Kevin. You might be five hundred dollars richer. I could have been. I don't look down on a brother like that. Could you wouldn't have any faith. I'm just saying though, he a family man. You know what I'm saying? He he take care of his business, but as far as him getting out of jail and everybody happy, I'm looking on the internet, everybody the king is back. The king is out. I only know one king and it's God. Thank you. That's it. 
I'm not celebrating. Just like when Gucci Man got out of jail. Everybody, Gucci is here. Go- Man, forget these rappers. Right. Let's celebrate some doctors, some lawyers. Let's celebrate somebody with some type of, of education. Well, my thing is, I'll say this much. I, I, I don't want anybody to be in jail any longer than they have to be. But I will say this. That whole free TIP, free Gucci, I don't believe in that. Like the T-shirts and all that stuff. No, let him do his time. Show these people that you cannot do what you want and, and think you can get away with it. Lil Wayne sat there. I remember he did an interview on 2020 and said, I do what I want to and nobody can tell me anything. Less than a year later, he was in jail. Yep, sure was. I think that's very dangerous to say, and, and, and that's the kind of thing that, I don't know, I don't like that either. Well, the only thing I can say is celebrate our real heroes in our community, the people that's coming home from college, even though they can't find a job. Let's celebrate them. Here's one, celebrate the people that's handling their business. Yeah, the people that you see, the mother and the father that's, you know, working two jobs to take care of their kids. Celebrate them. You know what I'm saying? The people that reach back and help other people. Y'all know what time it is. Yep, one up, one down. We appreciate everybody for tuning in to the Middleman Talk Show today. I got a headache out of this world. Me too. I don't know what to do. But it's gone down, y'all. Rock it. The Middleman shouted. Big Chris shot it. Now I ain't sure what you was tuning in to. We'll pay attention to the real talk. What we here for? So take a listen time. I take a minute. Shout in and learn some. Put your mind to grind the world. You destined to earn some. Linda, yeah. Comment on what you hear. Let's figure out this master plan and put this thing in gear. Don't matter if you hood or you corporate. Don't get you got a wheel to do way better than you were doing. Well, then you fortunate. Take a stand. Stop complaining about what you ain't got. Hating on the next man because he was dying to break. Every Sunday tune in, go live, 6 p.m. Blog Talk, Radio.com, the middle me. Hey, what's happening, the middle me? Hey, what's happening, the middle me? Hey, what's happening, Blog Talk, Radio.com, the middle me. You know what? I just realized something. What's that? How much time has T.I. been in jail? I really don't know. I don't care. Three or four? What, three, four years? All together? I'm like that. He did about three, four years together. Now, no disrespect to him nor time, but he could have sent his wife to college and educated her in that amount of time. So we don't have to hear her on the radio. Uh, uh, Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. Um, Think about what you're saying, my dog. She got to go back to pre-K first. Oh, Nick. Oh, Nick, you're so wrong. I'm just saying, we got to get some basic English down first. That's all I'm saying. I, I mean, she, they and, all... And she need to go to speech class. embarrassment. I'm just keeping it real. Looking like a pill. She talked like she drank Thunderbird. I'm just saying. Yes, Thank does. you. Thank you. With Red Bull. Right. Just real. But y'all make sure y'all tune in. This Thursday, call Thomas. Tell a friend and tell a friend and tell a friend. If you got any questions for call Thomas, write them down. Get them ready. Make sure y'all come over there and check out this show. How about this right here, y'all? I got something I want to play. It's too damn long for the show. Now, if y'all want to sit around and listen to this whole song, you can. But if you don't, good night to all. And all a good night. 
strain Makes it hard to refrain From the host of cocaine From them whores from the flame From a post in the game Makes it hard to maintain focus Then from the glock rounds and lockdowns and burials The seeds that sow get devoured by the same locust Cause it's a hard road to hope If your ass don't move And the rain don't fall And the ground is dry But the roots are strong So some survive To your surprise Now my voice they cries you got more juice than Zeus, slanging like you're trying to frighten. Flames dwellers of the Serengeti, but get beheaded when you falsely dreaded. Melon the silicone and collagen injected. Dissecting my pride, who the one gonna get it started? We be the lion hearted, without infanticide. It's like that red sprite, you can't imagine. Unless you're looking at the canvas of life, not through the people of mortality. Single minded mentality, getting over on loopholes, getting paid twofold on technicalities. Clicking your heels, scared to voice how you feel, packing steel. Picking cotton from the killing fields with no total. I don't think we in Kansas, no moto. Midwest or dirty south, clean dress or dirty mouth. Whether robbing preachers or killing poor righteous teachers. You a scared demon, shouldn't be allowed to spread semen. And your cowardly lies never define the jackals of Babel. Running with they pack, tail between your legs. Throw the mane on your head, say the story. As you downplay your glory. Cackling, helping the shackling of your brethren happy. Just by rapping. Libertad, Libertad, Libertad. Once again, thank you for listening to the Middleman Talk Show. Make sure you tune in this Thursday with Carl Thomas with the Middleman Talk Show. We appreciate you for taking this time out of your Sunday. You have listened to the Middleman Talk Show on Blog Talk Radio, and we out. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.